of all the things that people have to talk about, very seldom anybody talk about having a substitute, a substitute redeemer who paid our sin debt. And you see, people don't care to hear anything about sin, debt, God's law, punishment, heaven, hell. These are things people do not talk about. And yet, your soul is the most important thing that you have. It's the most important thing I have. If there's ever a time in your life for you to be selfish, it's for you to make sure your soul is fit for when you quit breathing. God has uh, made arrangements, and he tells it to us in this book. Now imagine a book that's got writings in it that are over 3,000 years old. Now when any piece of literature usually gets to be 40 or 50 years old, it gets to be kind of rare, it gets to be expensive, and uh, particularly out of tune. Here's God's Word, a Jewish book, written by Jewish people, that God has seen fit to put it in the English language and preserve it. Well, he preserved it for over 3,000 years, but to preserve this English portion since 1601, the King James Bible, uh, God wants his people to know what's going on. And most people don't care, okay? But whatever we read out of God's Word, this is the truth. This is, this is God's Word. And um, there's not very many people know what's in it. Now, all of us have a, a lifetime to get the book and examine it. Read it. Read about it. And uh, then you'll begin to wonder why more people aren't interested. But the very fact that uh, the government, the public school system has outlawed the Bible in the public schools ought to tell you something. There's something in it that normal people don't like. And there's a lot of things in it normal people don't like. Well, for, for starters this morning, let's look at Proverbs 16 and verse 25. Now that's going to be on page 991. Verse 25 is way up at the top of the second column. Here's what it says. There is a way that seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. Now when it says man, it means mankind. It's uh, men and women alike. Anything, of course the Bible is written in the masculine, but it's addressed to both sexes. It's addressed to human beings. So it's telling us that there's a way that uh, seems to be perfectly okay to the normal person. But know what? It's the wrong way. Now, you can keep your ribbon in that little place if you want to or put something there to hold your place. And we're going to go to the uh, 12th chapter of Luke. And 
we're going to read a little story about a guy that thought he was in the right way. 12th chapter of Luke, verse 16, on page 1525. And he spake a parable unto them, saying, The ground of a certain rich man brought forth plentifully, And he thought within himself, saying, What shall I do, because I have no room where to bestow my fruits? And he said, now he's talking to himself, This will I do, I'll pull down my barns, I'll build greater, and there will I bestow all my fruits and my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, thou hast much goods laid up for many years. Take thine ease, eat, drink, and be merry. Sounds good. That's his right way. That's the way normal people figure. They figure to the end of their life. But the problem is nobody knows where in the end of life is. That's mysterious. But here's what happened to him in verse 20. But God said unto him, Thou fool, this night thy soul shall be required of thee. Then who shall those things be which thou hast provided? So he that layeth up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. Let's bow our heads. Father, we thank you and praise you for the Lord's day, for the opportunity to tell sinners how to have eternal life, what God requires, how God has made the plan of salvation, something nobody else would have ever, ever dreamed of, For God himself, the one who gave the law, to keep the law perfectly and as a perfect person, then give his life and blood as if he was the greatest sinner ever. Lord, open our hearts and eyes this day. We pray in the name of our Lord Jesus. Amen. Some wicked men are more wise in how to provide for themselves or in uh, catering how to live in this world than the saints. Saints are generally people of God that are they plan and seek how to advance the glory of God and their own spiritual interest. But it seems like the people of the world are more successful We have all kinds of stories of I did this and I did that and I've done this and uh, we we marvel. Some of them uh, are are very, very great stories. But that's not what's important. There are a few who devise ways, study, spend their time and strength to grow spiritually rich. How does that take place? Well, look at 1 Corinthians one twenty one. 1 Corinthians one twenty one. It's on page uh, 1678, verse 21, For after that, in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom, now there's two kinds of wisdoms, the wisdom of God in providing salvation for sinners, the wisdom of the world is the educational function. That's you get your grade school, get your high school, get your college, get your extra degrees, 
try to learn about God through studying, it's not going to work. What does please God? It said it pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. So here's an example of an old sinner standing up here preaching to you, preaching to you God's Word, preaching to you what's in God's Word, and all the power that it takes to move a sinner is from God. The preacher can't do a thing. He can't even suggest anything that'll do you any good apart from God's Spirit making it real to your heart. Uh, look at Matthew 7, verse 13 and 14. Matthew seven thirteen and 14. It's on page 14, 14. Verse 13. Enter ye in at the straight gate. For wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction. And many there be which go in thereat. So the Lord's saying there's a lot of people getting on this wide way, the broad way, and they're going straight to hell. That's what destruction is here. It's uh, a little softer language. Uh, leadeth to destruction. Well, to, who, who's interested? Who, who's going to take any time to think about what does destruction mean? Well, it's just another word. So most people read right through that don't know that hell is what destruction is all about. And then verse 14, because straight is the gate and narrow is the way which leadeth unto life. What kind of life? Eternal life, not life here. And few there be that find it. I'm telling you over and over again that there are very few people interested in their own soul. Their own soul has to enter into the narrow way. Now the Lord Jesus Christ in John 14, 6 says, I am the way. So if you find that way, because it says few even find it, but if you search with all your heart to find the Lord Jesus Christ, you will find him. Uh, the scriptures are abundant in, in giving you encouragement to do that. But apart from uh, coming to the Lord Jesus Christ and knowing Him, uh, you haven't got a rat's chance because your heart is against you, the world is against you, uh, everything out there is against because your nature is worldly. It loves things of the world. And it doesn't want to take time to examine what they are by nature and what the Bible says they are and then turn completely around and seek for God. Now, I know it's difficult for normal people to do that because they can't believe in God. They can't believe that God, who is God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, makes our one God, could, could create. We're earth people. We're body people. And when you look down the street or look up into the skies or at night look at all the heavenly bodies and think that he created that out of nothing? Well, I, I can't believe that. I, can't, I can't, comp can't even think of such a thing. Well, you know, when you ask God to give you faith to believe his word, he will give you that faith, and you would die for that when you become a believer. But look at Hebrews 11.3. We were just talking about the marvels of creation. In Hebrews 11.3, 
on page 1776, verse 3, through faith. Through faith. Where, where do we get the faith from? God gave you that faith. That's where it came from. Through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the Word of God. What do we mean? God spoke everything into existence so that things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. God created everything out of nothing. It's kind of hard to take, huh? Because you're used to figuring things out in your own little brain and mind. Mine too. I know how it was for many, many years as a young person. I don't believe that. No, no, that don't make sense. Uh -uh, I can't see it. Well, what a gift faith is. God gives his people faith to believe every word in this book. Well, everyone is taught to believe that it is their main business to provide health care for, for sickness or for your future. You've heard that saying that says, lay it up for a rainy day. Young people should lay up for old age, and these things are commendable. But more profitable and commendable it is that while you have strength and youth and health to provide for your deathbed, no better time for a young person to fall in love with Christ and follow him and therefore be provided for forever. Look at Deuteronomy 32.29. Deuteronomy 32.29 and that will be on page uh, uh, 351. It says, Oh, that they were wise, that they should understand this, understood this, that they would consider their latter time. Why? What, what's consider their latter end? What's so great about that? Uh, take a look at Hebrews 9 and verse 27. Hebrews 9, 27 on page 1774. Now you may not find it in your heart and mind to think that God could create everything out of nothing. But here's a statement in the Bible that's going to stand because you can observe and as it is appointed unto men once to die, but after this the judgment. You and I know that people die. There's an obituary column in a paper every single day. We, <laughs> as we get older, of course, we check the ages. And uh, sometimes all of them are younger than I am. And then every once in a while there's a few that are a lot older than I am. I know the one today is a woman, uh, why it's the first one in the column, her name is Brady, I don't know her, but she's a hundred years old, but she died. It's appointed on the man once, now everybody's going to die, so why not get ready for it? Because there's some in the paper, even one today that was, I think, 41. Uh, that's pretty young, and then every once in a while there's a baby in there. Nobody knows the day of death, but you should be prepared for it. 
You know, Moses is an example of a person choosing the right way. Uh, look at Hebrews 11, verse 24, while you're there in Hebrews. At page 1777, verse 24, By faith Moses, when he was come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, now you all know the story about Moses being put in a little basket and it's floating along the edge of the river and the, by the flowers and the plants and, the, and Pharaoh's daughter sees the little baby in the basket and she takes him home and 40 years later, verse 25, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season, esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt, for he had respect under the recompense of the reward. Moses could have been number one in the world because at that time Egypt was number one in the world. It says he chose the reproach of Christ. Now, God's Spirit taught Moses about the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. And, well, his life is amazing. But it was 40 years old. And, of course, if you want to read the story of Moses back over there in the Exodus, you do that. Because it, it's, it's really, really good. Okay, let's see where we are here. Let's look at 2 Corinthians 4, verse 18. 2 Corinthians 4, 18. It's on page 1703. While we look not at the things which are seen but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. <laughs> We're temporal. We're temporal people. Our lives are temporal here in these bodies. But God has provided eternal life for each and every one of us if we're a believer. Now, I know God has chosen his people, uh, back in eternity, the ones he's going to give eternal life to. That's, in fact, that's the foundation. That's the basis of salvation. But preaching is for everybody to hear and for the elect to respond to. There will be people that can hear preaching for a hundred years would never respond. And uh, that's only showing you how the natural human heart is. But if God interferes into your life, if he just gives you the slightest interest in your own soul for you to start searching the word, he says if you, uh, if you just uh, search the scriptures, you'll find eternal life in there. If you'll just come to me, I won't cast you away. Christ is real. We're approaching the, the day of crucifixion, what they call Good Friday. We're approaching the good... Uh, the day Sunday, Easter Sunday, when he arose from the dead. Does that make much of an impression on people about him rising from the dead? 
We've celebrated it every year of our life. And very few of those years did it mean anything about the Lord Jesus Christ coming back to life in a body. Our Lord Jesus Christ is still in a body. He never became a spirit again. He is sitting at God's right hand, which I can't picture, I can't even imagine, but I know it because the Bible says that's where he is. He's making intercession for those who are believers on earth. They need his intercession because this world is a tough place to live in. It's a tough place to be morally clean. It's a tough place to uh, uh, develop a, a loathing and a hatred for sin because God hates sin. No matter what you want to call it or anybody else calls it, God hates sin enough that he even had his own son, the Lord Jesus Christ, to die in a sinner's place. Sinners cannot offer themselves. Sinners cannot have anything to pay with. God requires sinless, spotless blood for the payment of sin. Nobody has it. Every one of us has polluted, sinful blood running in our veins. I have always felt that the resurrected body won't have any blood in it. If it don't have any blood, then it don't have to have a heart. It doesn't have to have arteries. It doesn't have to have uh, uh, veins and whatever. I, I can't hardly imagine what the new body is going to be like, but I know that the living element in the new body is going to be God's Spirit. We're going to live with that body forever. It's called eternal life. Kind of hard to imagine, huh? Eternal life. A body that can't be hurt, can't die, can't wear out, can't get old. I can't imagine it. And yet I believe it. I know that the Lord Jesus Christ is coming back shortly to give all believers, those who have dedicated their lives to Him, they're going to get new bodies. Boy, what a day that's going to be. All right, did we read Second Corinthians? Yes, we did. Okay. We've also read that it's appointed unto men once to die, after this to judgment. Uh, it's something nobody can avoid. And then what God in Christ has done for our souls. God in Christ. You know, that's a biblical expression. It's in 2 Corinthians 5, verse 19. And you're right there already. Page 1704, verse 19. To wit, that God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto himself. What do you mean the world? Everybody in the world? No. God's people all over the world. You see, world is, is, a, is a word that somebody can take and uh, use for their part of the argument. But their argument will fall to pieces if they think it's everybody in the world. Because in John 17, now hold your place there in Second Corinthians uh, uh, 5. But I'm going to read you John 17, John 17 and verse, verse 9. Now listen, this is serious. I pray for them, I pray not for the world. 
Now, when our Lord says he prays not for the world, that was going to immediately eliminate these people that say God loved the whole world. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world, but he doesn't love everybody in the world. He loves the elect scattered throughout all the countries of the world. When he says, I pray not for the world, I don't pray for everybody in the world. Because the Lord says, I pray for those you gave me. That's something else that people knock their heads hard against the wall trying to figure out. Is God fair because he gave a certain amount of people to Christ to die for and any others he passed by? Hey, God does as he pleases. And the only reason God saves any of them is because he set his love upon them. When it says God so loved, that's the very first introduction to why God saves anybody. He loves them. He gave them to Christ and Christ loves them. So uh, let me read this in verse 19 again. To wit that God was in Christ. The Lord Jesus Christ in the body is God himself. And he was reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them. What's that mean? Well, we're all sinners. We sin from the time we're little kids to the time we quit breathing. But the sins are not charged to them. As a believer, they were charged to the Lord Jesus Christ, and his righteousness is charged to the believer. That's what imputation is. Uh, not imputing their sins unto them and hath committed committed unto us the word of reconciliation. I'm uh, taking that spot this morning, trying to be a reconciler, telling you that the Lord Jesus Christ died for sinners, died for anybody that'll come to him. Now, this has been God's plan from eternity. Look at 2 Timothy 1.9. 2 Timothy 1.9 on page 1755 who has saved us and called us with a holy calling not according to our works but according to his own purpose and grace which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began now there's a lot of words in there the word us who are we talking about? Well, Paul was writing to Timothy, who was a young preacher, a believer, a convert of Paul's. So they're including themselves. And this is including anybody who is a believer. In God's mind, he has saved us back in eternity. But you can't figure in on that. You can't even begin to program it into your life because you have to know your calling first. When you enter into life, you become a person. Sometime in your life, God is going to interfere into your life and show you that you need a substitute redeemer. That comes first. But here it says, saved us and called us. Well, that's from God's viewpoint. The calling is, is when you sit down and think, most of my life, I have not given God a thought. I have not believed in the Lord Jesus Christ as mine, my personal Redeemer. And then, now I'm interested. So there's two, two parts to your life. A part when you're a total unbeliever, and a part now where you're an 
inquiring believer. You want to know Christ. And uh, is it because you've been good and been bad or whatever? No, it's that it's not according to our works. If there were good works, that doesn't make any difference. If there were bad works, that doesn't make any difference. According to his own purpose and grace, given us in Christ Jesus when? Back in eternity, before there was a world. Now you can't even imagine space without this world in it. But there was a time when that happened. And before the world was ever created, God looked into the future and saw these people in Adam's race. They're all going to be sinners. They're all going to be fallen. And he set his love upon some of them. That's what it just said, was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began. Well, turn back now to Ephesians 3. Look at verse 11. Ephesians 3, verse 11. Now what I just told you about eternity is what this verse is saying. According to the eternal purpose which he purposed in Christ Jesus our Lord. When was that? Before the world was created. Now, how did God bring this plan of salvation into existence. When when did it start? Well, let's look at Galatians 4, verses 4 and 5. Galatians 4, on page 17, 18, verses 4 and 5. But when the fullness of the time was come, God sent forth His Son, made of a woman, made under the law. Now, you and I know what that is. Well, we celebrate it at Christmas time. Of course, it was the son sent. Okay, the child born is a human part of Christ. The son set, uh, sent is the divine side of Christ. So he was made of a woman. He Mary uh, was his mother. Of course, he came in under the law. And guess what? He's the one that gave the law. He's the one that wrote it up. What he come for? To redeem them that were under the law that we might receive the adoption of sons. See, all the time Paul writes these letters to believers. So when you're reading it, when it says that we and us and all that, that's believers. Now, the majority of people in any of these churches were not believers. But Paul's writing to believers. So he says to redeem them that were under the law that we might receive the adoption of sons. Well, you know, when a person knows that Christ died for them, they're very, very happy. And uh, let's see how the Bible describes that. It's Ephesians 5. Get back a couple pages to your right again. Ephesians 5 and verse 19 and 20. Speaking, uh, page 1727, verse 19. Speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. You see many people doing that. No, most everybody in the world has got so many problems there. They got to go around with a long face on and they're trying to bum this and borrow that and uh, try to stretch this and that. Hey, God's people got something to be happy about. <laughs> Giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord 
Jesus Christ. Very happy people. Well, there are also some of those who aren't so happy. When they quit breathing, they're miserable. Uh, this is going to be Luke 16, verse 23. Luke 16, 23. It's on page uh, 1534. Verse 23. Well, let's read verse 22. There's two people involved here. An old uh, beggar who happens to be a believer and a rich man who was not a believer. It came to pass that the beggar died, was carried by the angels in Abraham's bosom. Rich man also died and was buried. Was he carried anywhere? I think he was chased out of this world. But anyhow, verse 23, he's buried and in hell... He lift up his eyes, being in torments, and seeth Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom. I can't explain that to you to make it clear. I only know that this is just showing you that when a person who is an unbeliever cared nothing about God or Christ in their life, when they quit breathing, they ended up in hell, and they were in torments. That's the message I get out of it. Verse 23 again. And in hell he lift up his eyes, being in torments, and seeth Abraham afar off, and Lazarus in his bosom. So, at end of life is not pleasant to everyone. In fact, when we read in Matthew 7 that many there be on the way that are headed for hell, that's the case of most people. Now, there are promises yet to be fulfilled. What's that? Well, this is the day of resurrection. And this is great scriptures. Philippians 3 verse 20 and 21. Philippians 3, 20 and 21. Page 1733 verse 20. For our conversation is in heaven from whence also we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, we're looking for him to come back from heaven. And what's he going to do when he comes back? Who shall change our vile body that it may be fashioned like unto his glorious body. Our Lord Jesus Christ's resurrected body. Um, there aren't words to describe the, the potential of even having a body like that. We know he appeared to the disciples several times just by them being all shut up in a building and the doors locked and the shades drawn and he appears just right through the walls. We have Moses and Elijah appearing to the Lord Jesus Christ on the Mount of Transfiguration. Now they've been dead over 700 years. They've been gone over that long. And yet on the Mount of Transfiguration, a few days before the, uh, the, the crucifixion of Christ. They come and talk with him. They have the new bodies. They have the resurrected bodies. And they're capable of traveling from heaven to earth. And I don't know how fast. I don't know how you measure speed. Somewhere in a dictionary, there's a word that describes speed at, as, the, uh, uh, as swift as thought. 
as what you can think to where where you want to go. You're, you're there. I I can't I can't comprehend that. I can't begin to begin to explain that to you. But that's what they do. And of course, Moses and Elijah are going to come back to earth themselves. Where is that? Well, when you go home, get your Bible and read Revelation 11. The 11th chapter of Revelation is going to tell you all about Moses and Elijah here on earth after God's people are gone in a period of time called the tribulation. Uh, Its future has not come yet, but you can read about them. Both of those guys have resurrected bodies. Uh, Something else we should know about everything is in Revelation 20. It's about the judgment to come. So this is about unbelievers. It's going to be on Revelation 20, verse 11. And I saw a great white throne, and him that sat on it, remember now this is future, from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away, and there was no, there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God, and the books were open. And another book was open, which is the book of life, and the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their works. And the sea gave up the dead which were in it, and death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them. Why does it say death and hell? Well, one place is where the soul is kept, and uh, that's, uh, that's, where, that's representing death, where the body is. And hell is where the soul is delivered. So there's a body and a soul going to be delivered up together. And then it says, They were judged every man according to their works. And death and hell, body and soul, were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. But where's this lake of fire come in? Well, look at verse 10. Still future has not happened, but it's going to tell you about it. And the devil that deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone, where the beast and the false prophet are and shall be tormented day and night forever and ever. So the Bible is telling you that there will be an end of Satan. The Antichrist and the false prophet, they will be cast into the same lake of fire. They'll be there before Satan is cast in there. Now, people don't believe in Satan, and they don't believe in heaven, they don't believe in hell, but God's people do.